0: Uh, You might like to get your Bibles ready at uh, Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4. So as Miriam said, we are tracking through the book of Hebrews uh, during this year of 2021 to 2022, and that uh, links with our vision for this year, the passage that we have uh, focused on our Vision Sunday, which is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. And our vision is to be followers of Jesus, sharing the goodness of God with everyone. And the focus of that uh, passage uh, in Hebrews 10 uh, encourages us to draw near to God in prayer, uh, to meet together in discipleship and to seek to advance God's kingdom uh, by sharing uh, with each other and people around us God's goodness. Uh, So we are going through Hebrews Uh, with uh, that passage uh, the Hebrews 10 passage very much at the kind of fulcrum of the first part of Hebrews is focusing on who Jesus is what he has done for us what God has won for us in Jesus Christ and then uh, beyond that uh, part in chapter 10 it's moving into more of our actions to do uh, that so where we got to uh, before Christmas just at the uh, just before the uh, well, that would be uh, just at the end of November, just before Advent started. Uh, we got to uh, chapter three. And where we left off uh, was with a warning. Don't let your hearts harden move into un- or move into unbelief. That means that you turn from the living God. And I said at that time that this was a two part uh, sermon, that the the one before uh, Christmas was a warning. And you'll be delighted to know for the beginning of 2022 that we're stepping into God's promise now as we come to chapter four of Hebrews. So I'm going to read from verses one to 11. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet, his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere, he spoke about the seventh day in these words, on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest Also, rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, the writer uh, to the Hebrews is moving from that warning, warning the people against what happened to the people of Israel. When they uh, wandered around in the desert for many years and their hearts hardened, and therefore they didn't enter the rest of God by going into the promised land. Don't be like them, but the promise of rest, the promise of entering God's rest, still stands. Still stands. Verse 2, which I read. For we also have the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. That second part of that verse, they did not share the faith of those who obeyed, can also be translated because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. I think that's really kind of helpful, you know, that idea of that concept of hearing the word of God, but then combining what we've heard with faith Uh, that then means that we can take steps of faith towards what God has planned for it. And there is a huge affirmation here for the people that the writer of the Hebrews is addressing in verse 3. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. Those who believe do enter the rest of God. And then the writer unpacks that rest in these next verses. And he goes right back to the beginning. He does go back to Miriam's study on Genesis. (laughs) So he goes right the way back to Genesis chapter 1. God created the world in all its various aspects, all its incredible intricacy and big-picture glory. And at the end of it all, he created humankind. He created Adam. He created Eve. The narrative describes the time span as six days for creation, And on the seventh day, God rested. Therefore, the first thing that we did, the first thing that humans did with God was to rest. Because our first day of being alive was with God as he rested on the seventh day. Then God sent us out to be productive and to be fruitful, Go and multiply, he said. Go and work the earth. The pattern of our lives is established from that point. We work from a place of rest. Often, we see rest as something that happens after work. Hard work, kind of crashing back into rest. But the biblical pattern, the way we were created, is the opposite of that. It's working from a place of rest. And this was such a revelation to me when I first heard it from Mike Breen, who was my training incumbent, and who still continues to teach very powerfully on this subject. We need to put that place of rest in its right context. It's not a place of inactivity, but it is a place of contentment, joy, and satisfaction. What did God see at the end of each day of creation? Well, there's that repeating word in Genesis chapter 1. And the Lord saw that it was good. And the Lord saw that it was good. And then right at the end, the Lord saw that it was very good. There's a sense of completeness, satisfaction, contentment, and joy in God's rest. And if we count ourselves as those who believe, verse three of our passage describes that we enter that rest. It is God's gift to us to participate in that same sense of contentment, joy, completion, God's goodness at work in our lives. Now, does that sound familiar to you in your life, or to me, in my life. Mm. I have to say, the week building up to Christmas, which was filled with all sorts of changing things the whole whole week, um, as we kind of got ourselves towards Christmas Day, I must admit, when I arrived at my nephew's in Cardiff on Boxing Day, I was ready to crash back to rest, uh, because I you know, I'd kind of, I suppose I'd been overdoing it while, of course, celebrating joyfully with you all on Christmas Day. I had great fun on Christmas Day, but I was conscious that I kind of of crashed to rest rather than working from a place of rest. And I suppose I'm, I'm sharing that because honestly, knowing that we're working from a place of rest and relying on God's rest in our lives is a bit of a battle, isn't it? It's a battle because after the fall, after Genesis 1 and the first part of Genesis 2, where we turn away, where humanity turns away from God, work becomes a drudgery. It becomes difficult. It becomes a place of struggle. But God wants to make a way for people to enter his rest. And the way he first did that was to choose the people of Israel. And we see that when Moses took them out of Egypt, when work was not only a place of drudgery, but also a place of slavery. God releases the people of Israel under Moses and takes them to the New Promised Land, which sounds amazing, a place flowing with milk and honey. It's described as their place of rest. And again, it's important to note that the place of rest where they were, it's a place of rest where they were going to live and work and form community. The promised land was not going to be an eternal sunlanger. No, that's not what rest means. It was a place of fulfillment, of working and being productive, all coming from that place of rest, from the gift of God to those people. And as we saw in the previous passage, that place of desert was a place of where they rejected that, they re- rejected God, There was disobedience arising from dissatisfaction, their hearts hardened, and they went into a position of unbelief. And that meant that that generation didn't enter the land and didn't enter God's rest. But we know, because we're on this side of the old covenant, we're in the new covenant, that God didn't just stop and say that gift of rest is gone forever. He found a way to make that gift available to God other people. And verses 6 to 9 describes that. God speaking through Psalm 95, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And the writer points out that if Joshua, who did take the people of Israel into the promised land, had given them rest, God wouldn't have spoken later about another day. And that day is today. And the good news in verses 9 and 10 is that there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. So we link that back to verse 3. The gift of rest with God, the rest rest in God, is available to the people of God. And we here today are the people of God. And that gift has been made available by Jesus. That gift of contentment, of fruitfulness, of joy, has been won for us by Jesus. The battle has been won. So in the light of that, we can live our lives in one of two ways. We can either try to prove to God our worth That we're praying enough, reading enough, reading our Bible enough, going to church enough. We're trying to prove to God that we are righteous in His sight and worthy of His love. Or we can receive the gift of God in Jesus Christ, who says to you, because of the work Jesus has done, you are already worthy. You are already loved by God. You are already righteous in God's sight you are already dearly loved and deeply held we don't have to prove anything because Jesus has won all of that for us on the cross he's brought us into relationship and he's made us the people of God this is incredibly good news and then it's from that place that we step joyfully and gladly into the work that God has already prepared for us to do Do you see the difference between those two ways of living? And I'm speaking to myself too in this. The first one is that striving, that pushing, that I've got to prove myself compared with the receiving what Jesus has done. And then from that reality, stepping into works that God has already prepared for us. Paul, writing to the Ephesians, says this in chapter 2, describing this. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's handiworks, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think as we step into encouraging each other during this year 2022 uh, let's encourage each other with grace if we start to spot in each other's lives that we're doing that striving thing and trying to make it all happen in our own strength let's remind ourselves of that ephesian passage let's speak that out over each other stepping into the grace of god that we can enter into god's rest and then we come to the final verse verse 11 Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Hmm. So Anne, you've just said to us this morning, don't strive to be legalistically righteous. But in the same breath in verse 11, we read, let us make every effort to enter into God's rest. That sounds like we've got to work at this. And yes, we do. There is a future eternity of God's promise, eternal life, where there will be a time where all of our striving will cease. And that is that place of eternal rest when we've died. So that is that future promise. But that rest is available to us today. And while we're here on earth. While we're in the here and now, if I take that image of the promised lands as an illustration of our spiritual lives, yes, we experience the land of milk and honey and there are battles to fight. And I want to unpack this from one specific angle. And I want to start that by asking this question. Whom commands your attention? Where do you give focus? What do you give focus to? Just take a moment now to think of those questions. Who commands your attention? Where do you give focus? What do you give focus to? Just give you space to consider those. As I have thought about entering the rest of God, and I've, you know, working with that this for years and years, um, there are three books that. Um, I wanted to commend to you this morning, not to read them all at the same time. That would be leading to striving, wouldn't it? But one of these will, um, uh, one of these will kind of chime with you, I think. So the, the three books are um, uh, The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. I would hold that up in front of you, but I appear to have lent it to somebody. So I bless them. I hope they're enjoying it and receiving from it. *Soul Keeping* by John Ortberg and uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer which so, subtitle is How to Stay Emotionally Healthy and Spiritually Alive in the Chaos of the Modern World. I've read all three of these books. This is the one I've read most uh, recently. And to enter the Sabbath rest of God is, involves what John Mark Comer describes as the ruthless elimination of things that distract us from our relationship with God and from the key relationships in our lives. And I agree with his assessment that screen time on our phones, in other ways, has taken our focus. And it can occupy all of our focus and all of our attention. This book was written and published the year before COVID. And I suppose my observation is that the pandemic has exacerbated that reliance on screen time, because we've become even more reliant on it. uh, Because actually, they have become a lifeline, haven't they? Um, Apps like Zoom and other connections are available have I mean it's been fantastic I have been able to talk with each other over uh, the pandemic so there's an there's an aspect of this that I'm thankful for but there's also an aspect of it which is is difficult because I mean the pandemic's been described like a pandemic, hasn't it because we're on this state of high alert as the as Dr Kate Middleton of the Mind and Soul Foundation says on a a a state of high alert what's going to happen next and that's often coming through our phones. And I discovered I'd got into a a bit of a habit of looking at my phone late at night. I have a start of day, a well-established pattern of a quiet time with God, a time of reading my Bible prayer, And that's a well-established discipline. And then during the day, I will send arrow prayers up to God before I have, um, you know, I'm trying to answer emails or make phone calls. But what I'd got into was checking my phone before I went to bed and reading the BBC headlines. And I have to say, that's not a place of entering God's rest as I try to sleep. So my Christmas present request to one of my nephews was this, a clock, super old school, It doesn't tick, it is an alarm. Because what was happening was, I was setting my alarm on my phone, and then I was checking things. So I thought, right, okay, let's go back to old school. A non-ticking clock that alarms, and actually it only has a five minute snooze button instead of a 10 minute one, very good for me. Um, That's a practical step I've taken in order to stop paying attention to my phone, And then I have started to read a psalm just before I go to sleep. Psalm 4.8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. I'd love you as one of your takeaways from this morning to think about what practical step can you take so that your focus and attention comes back onto God. Because in, in making every effort to enter God's rest, We need to set aside time, set aside moments in the day, in the week, the month, the year, where we bring our attention to God, we bring our attention to Jesus. God's promise is the same. My presence will be with you, and I will give you rest, he said to Moses. Jesus' promise is the same. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I' am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that is a picture of a larger oxen, ox coming alongside a smaller ox, and the yoke taking the, the larger ox taking on the yoke and bearing most of the weight. That is the rhythm that Jesus wants to walk with us in, so that we walk at His pace and he is bearing the load. John Mark Comer describes this as this. Jesus offers his apprentices, his disciples, a whole new way to bear the weight of our humanity with ease. At his side, like two oxen in a field, shoulder to shoulder, with Jesus doing all the heavy lifting, at his pace, slow, unhurried, Present to the moment, full of love and joy and peace. And then he quotes John Ortberg An easy life isn't an option, an easy yoke is. An easy life isn't an option, an easy yoke is. So, leaving you with two questions. Is there an area of your life where, as I've been speaking, you thought, oh, I've been trying to do it in my own strength? Well, turn to God. Bring that area and hand it over to him. And then consider what practical steps you can bring to give your attention and focus to God. Let's take a moment now before we receive communion to allow that word to settle on us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to each one of us. We receive this gift of God's rest in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.